When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and this is a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon is not with me today, so this will be a little shorter of an episode. However, we still have a lot of content to go through here. We've got another Red Sox-Yankees game. We have a doubleheader between the Astros and the Tigers, but let's get into one of my favorite stories of the night here in this Diamondbacks and Padres game. As the Diamondbacks put on a show here, they tacked in a run apiece in the first and second inning, and then two runs in both the third and fourth inning to add into some sprinkled on offense later in the game to win 10 to one in San Diego, breaking their 20 something game losing streak on the road. This will also break their, I want to say it was like five-game, four-game losing streak in general. We'll see how long it lasts till their next win. However, in this, Christian Walker and Eduardo Escobar each went yard. The only score for the Padres came off of a Tommy Pham RBI single in the bottom of the ninth. Give the win to Merrill Kelly, who went six innings, allowing five hits of shutout ball with five strikeouts. The loss goes to Denilson Lamette, who went two and a third, allowing four earned in probably his worst start of the year, pretty easily, actually, I'd say. Hasn't been going long innings up until recently, coming off that injury, however, has looked great for the vast majority of that time. This was kind of a surprising result from him. But let's move into the Houston and Detroit matchup we have here. Starting with the first game, in the bottom of the second, Isaac Paredes for Detroit hit a sack fly to put them up until the third, where Carlos Correa adds an RBI single to tie the game. But in the bottom of the fifth, Zach Short hits it long 
his first home run of the year, and it's a two-run piece to make it a 3-1 Detroit, our final. Give the win to Casey Mize. He went six innings, allowing six hits and one earned run here with five strikeouts. The loss will go to Framber Valdez, who went six innings, allowing three earned and six strikeouts. The save goes to Jose Cisnero, his fifth of the year. Moving along into game two here, and scoring starts in the bottom of the first again as Detroit gets going early with an RBI single by Nomar Mazzara, and then another RBI single by Jonathan Scope in the bottom of the fifth gets Detroit an early 2-0 lead. But in the top of the sixth, the Astros rally to score three runs on both a Jordan Alvarez and Carlos Correa home run, their 13th and 15th of the year, respectively, as the Astros defeat the Tigers 3-2 here. The win will go to Lance McCullers Jr., who went five and a third, allowing two earned and seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Michael Fulmer out of the bullpen. He'll be charged that blown save. Willie Peralta got the bulk innings here for Detroit in what appears to be in a bullpen game. And Ryan Presley gets his 12th save of the year in this one. Important to note out of this, not only is I wouldn't panic over one dropped game to Detroit. This is still the best team in the American League, the Houston Astros. However, this comes into play with something we're going to talk about a little later. This is another split game in these doubleheaders. We've been talking about it quite a bit. It's solid fact that a vast majority of doubleheaders end up being split because of the nature of playing two games in a day, the load that takes on a team and even with the extra roster spots it's not easy and that's why we get such crazy 50 50 basically chances in these games but next up we've got pittsburgh and st louis st louis got out to an early 2-0 lead with an rbi single by yadier molina and a paul de Jong home run his ninth of the year in the top of the fourth, Gregory Polanco hit his eighth home run of the year to cut that lead down. But Paul Goldschmidt's 11th ends up sending this one way in favor of St. Louis. And it is a 3-1 Cardinals win. Give the win to Adam Wainwright. He went six innings, allowing one earned and eight strikeouts. The loss goes to JT Brubaker, who went six innings, allowing three earned runs and three strikeouts. The save goes to Alex Reyes, his 18th of the season. Next up, moving right along, we have Baltimore getting beat up here by the Toronto Blue Jays starting in the third inning where this team gets going with Bichette, Guerrero, and Hernandez all driving in runs here. These included a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run and a Teoscar Hernandez home run. This was Vladimir Guerrero's 26th home run of the season and, more importantly, his 50th home run of his – no, that's not right. Um, it was his – yes, 50th home run of his career, and he gets this home run number 50 – in the exact same number of games that it took his father 
to hit his 50th home run, 258 games to get 50 home runs for both Vladimir Guerrero Sr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But moving into this game a little further, as the Blue Jays managed to get four runs, not only in that third inning, but in the fifth and sixth as well, as the Orioles are unable to keep up with that pace and drop this one at a score of 12 to four. Give the win to, to Hinjin Ryu. He went six and two thirds, allowing four earned and three strikeouts. The loss goes to Keegan Aiken, going four and a third, allowing six earned runs, three strikeouts, and of course those two homers to Hernandez and Guerrero. Next up, we have Texas and Kansas City, and Texas continues to look good against this Royals team as they score three runs in the bottom of the second, thanks to Jose Trevino and Adolis Garcia. Joey Gallo then goes yard twice in both the fourth and eighth innings to help push this to an 8-0 Rangers shutout win. Give the win to Kyle Gibson going seven innings of two-hit ball, no earned runs, and 10 strikeouts. The loss will go to Kyle Bupich, pitching two-thirds of an inning in relief of Zimmer. He allowed three earned runs, the first of, of course, the eight. Next up, the first place in the AL East, Tampa Bay Rays, look to take on the Los Angeles Angels. And in the bottom of the second, Manny Margot goes yard to give them an early 2-0 lead, but then a Shohei Otani double and a Tony Rendon RBI double make this a 3-2 Angels game, but that won't last for long. Unfortunately, Tony won't be able to keep it done for too, too long as Tampa Bay ends up scoring big time in the fourth, getting four runs in that grouping. They add another two in the, I'm sorry, one in the fifth one in the sixth off of Mike Zunino home run, his 16th of the year, and then tack on five, a five-piece, you heard me correctly, in the bottom of the seventh to win this one at a score of 13-3. to three. Give the win to Shane McClanahan. He went six innings, allowing three earned runs, seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Alex Cobb. He went four innings allowing six earned runs and three strikeouts in this monster win for the race. They really, I mean, you know, you, you kind of have to expect this with this team. Like they're going to get hot. They're going to get cold at a lot of strange times. You're going to start to look frustrating, but those are the only times you, opportunities you have to catch them because that's just, that's the way this team is built. They've, somehow perfected what Oakland has been doing for all of these years in low salary ball and just using the math to figure out how to get this team to perform consistently and be a winning team over the entire year, over the entire long haul. However, they've taken that and somehow managed to bring it up a notch and make them a contender, maybe not every single day, but week in, week out monthly is certainly over the entire season they will impress many many times but let's get into this Phillies Mets game which came down to the wire once again 
This is Andy Jacob deGrom of start, of course, and his scoreless innings streak will end here as Nick Matten. Nick Matten singles to drive in Andrew McCutcheon and break that and make this a one nothing Phillies game. This is tied up by Peraza in the second, but a sack fly by Andrew McCutcheon, who scored the first one, makes this a 2-1 Phillies lead once again. Bottom of the seventh, Kevin Pilar goes yard, which is then tied up in the ninth by a Nick Matten RBI sacrifice fly, which brings us to a tied score, or I'm sorry, Philly leading, leading in the top of the ninth. From there, the Mets load the bases on Hector Neris, and he walks in a run thanks to a walk drawn by Luis Guillorme with a full count to tie the game. And then Michael Conforto hits a sack fly out to Aduval Herrera, certainly a familiar sight for Phillies and Mets fans as the plays to go into extras or and to win the game in the doubleheader yesterday. Both went to Adubal Herrera in center field. They were both sack fly situations, and they were both in favor of the Mets. And in this one, the Mets take it four to three as they walk off with that sacrifice fly. Give the win to Edwin Diaz, who allowed one earned run in his inning. Jacob deGrom goes six innings, allowing three hits, two earned runs, and five strikeouts. His ERA is now a record-setting. 0.69 through the month of June. That is above and beyond the best ERA in the live ball era when it comes to that stuff. And, you know, people are talking about this and going to talk about this rightfully with the way his season has gone as a disappointing start. Perhaps someone might even say like a bad start when in fact, this is a quality start. Six innings to earned. You would kill for that consistently out of any other pitcher, but he's just going so above and beyond any of our expectations that this is what it does. The loss will be given to Hector Neris, of course. Zach Eflin started this game going six innings, allowing one earned run and four strikeouts. Moving on to Atlanta and Cincinnati, as the Reds get up early and do not look back here, Jesse Winker hits his 18th home run in the bottom of the first, and then they tack on two more runs in the third. Atlanta cannot get a run on the board until Guillermo Heredia RBI in the top of the eighth makes it 3-1, but your final will be 4-1 Reds as we are continuing the hunt to Reds October. Give the win to Luis Castillo. He went seven innings of shutout ball with six strikeouts. The loss goes to Ian Anderson, six innings, three earned, nine strikeouts here. And the save will go to Amir Garrett, his fifth of the year. Of course, Ian Anderson, you know, that probably will be the bad beat of the day. A quality start there, nine strikeouts. Certainly isn't something you would expect to be losing on. But nonetheless, stuff happens, right? But let's get on to our next game, the Marlins and the Nationals, another AL East, two other AL East teams, I should say. Let's see if Kyle Schwarber can continue any of this magic. And in the top of the first, 
Juan Soto is able to rip in an RBI double. This scores Trey Turner and makes it a one nothing game. But in the bottom of the inning, the Marlins add in two more runs, which are tied up by a Starling Castro RBI double in the fourth to make this a 2-2 game. This lead, this game score lasts until the bottom of the fifth, where John Birdie hits his fourth home run of the year to put them up and eventually take them away with a 3-2 Marlins victory here. Excuse me. Give the win to Thompson for Miami. He went six innings, allowing two earned and 11 strikeouts. The loss goes to Patrick Corbin. He went six innings, allowing three earned and six strikeouts in this game. The save will go to Yimmy Garcia, his 12th of the year. Also, another thing to note here, Hector Neris, of course, is the current closer of the Philadelphia Phillies with eight losses on the year. And that certainly does not account for, I'm sorry, five losses on the year. What was I reading? Five losses on the year, six blown saves. This is still, you know, it's a process, but this Phillies bullpen is still a relative disaster compared to what this lineup deserves. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but a toot, a toot. They should kind of be embarrassed, or at least the fans should be frustrated when you look over at Boston, another historically bad bullpen last season who has seriously figured things out you went from historically bad a historically bad era to being the seventh best bullpen in baseball and then we look over to the phillies who end up i believe having the worst era in the history of baseball since 1960 as a relief staff and they basically gutted the entire thing really kept Maybe I want to say Hector Neris of guys of guys with significant time. Yeah, Hector Neris is the only reliever of significant time that is from this organization right now. Everyone else has been either up a year or less that they've got, or they added guys like Neftali Felice, Archie Bradley, Jose Alvarado, and stuff. So Hector Neris is really your only guy you've kept over this stretch and you're only the 21st best team by ERA best bullpen by ERA that that isn't going to cut it you know you'd normally say it's a process but it's hard to keep feeling like it's a process when you see another team that had very similar struggles be relatively successful within a year I mean they also gutted the majority of theirs as well. There's three guys that haven't been recent ads. Brandon Workman, they brought back, of course, after being the only good reliever last year, so that doesn't count. So I'm going to go with four. I mean, Yaxel Rios, Matt Andres were both brought in and bought or free agent-wise. You got a Rule 5 draft pick here. You've got a trade piece in Adam Adovino. So this is a lot of new blood, with the exception of four guys here. They kept more than the Phillies did and still ended up with a much, much better result. I digress. We will move into this Colorado-Milwaukee game here. And 
Scoring started in the top of the first in favor of the Rockies as they score one on a Jonathan Daza single to make it one nothing before Milwaukee adds two in the bottom of the inning to get their first lead of the game. Brendan Rodgers ties it up in the fourth, but then when Adrian Hauser reached on a fielder's choice, it allowed Milwaukee to get back up in the lead for if only a brief period of time, as in the top of the fifth, Trevor Story hits his ninth home run of the year to make this 4-3 Colorado. From there, it became all Milwaukee's game. As in the seventh, Evasil Garcia goes yard, his 14th and game-tying home run of the year. And then after that, they explode for six runs in the bottom of the eighth, started out by a Omar Narvaez sacrifice fly and a Christian Yelich home run was also sprinkled in there. You know, that's kind of impressive to see that type of crooked number be put on the board when you're starting with sack flies. I mean, you're, you're not always going to see huge numbers get put up when there's already outs on the board when the bases are still trying to kind of get round when you're still putting quarters in that merry-go-round. But the win will go to Brad Boxberger as the Brewers take this one 10-4. to four. Give the win to Brad Boxberger, of course, an inning of relief of Adrian Hauser, who went five innings, allowing four earned and four strikeouts. The loss will go to Carlos Estevez, who allowed four of the six earned runs in that eighth inning. And Antonio Senzatella started this one going five innings, allowing two earned runs, three total, and five strikeouts in the game. Next up, we've got the Dodgers and the Cubs, a very well-fought series. You know, this one was certainly what one the one that felt the closest out of all of them because, of course, the first one you have the Cubs no-hitter and then the Dodgers come rallying back in game two. But in the bottom of the first, the Dodgers scored two runs on a Max Muncy double and a Justin Turner single. But then Anthony Rizzo and Ian Happ drive in runs. One of those was an Anthony Rizzo home run, his 10th of the season. And next thing you know, we're looking at a tie ball game with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. And Cody Bellinger crushes, absolutely destroys that ball like I'm running out of adjectives to describe how far the ball went that I do not want to save for the Red Sox. It was his second home run of the year, but it walked things off for the Dodgers as they win 3-2. Give the win to David Price, who finished the last two-thirds of that final inning. Julio Urias went five and a third, allowing two earned and 12 strikeouts. The loss will go to Thompson out of the Cubs bullpen. Mills started this game going four innings, allowing two earned and two strikeouts. That's Alec Mills. Next up, we're going to jump into the last game to end tonight, Oakland and San Francisco. And scoring started in favor of Oakland in the third with a wild pitch by Alex Wood bringing in a run. And we would start the games as this was a relatively even back and forth, never really getting outside of one or two runs the entire way. And 
Lamont Wade is able to homer as well as Matt Chapman and Donovan Solano for their respective teams in this game. And the Solano one tied it up at four, and that will be enough to put us into extra innings. In the top of the 10th, Matt Chapman's able to hit the sacrifice fly to drive in the Manfred runner and bring them up. But in that bottom of the 10th, the Giants come rallying back. Steven Duggar's RBI single brings in the Manfred runner to tie the game. And then a Kurt Casale double is able to score Duggar and walk this off for San Francisco. Give the win to Jake McGee out of the bullpen. Alex Wood started this one going five and a third with two runs, one earned, and eight strikeouts. The loss will go to Smith out of the Oakland bullpen. Frankie Montas started this one going five innings, allowing two earned and five strikeouts. The final game we have to talk about here is, of course, the Red Sox-Yankees. And it became a lot more of a show than I was expecting it to in the late game. Plenty of theatrics. And this one starts out pretty simply with some Reds, a Red Sox run in the bottom of the second. Kike Hernandez hits a sack fly out to center field. Xander Bogarts is able to score. This was with the bases loaded. Then from there, you got Bobby Dahlbeck up in that bottom of the second and he's able to hit one it wasn't it wasn't much but he hit one he is able to pop it up down the first baseline luke voigt is in route to track that ball he tracks it down and grabs it running away from the play however this allows just the opportunity in the moment for rafael devers to tag up and score on a pop out hit to the first baseman in foul territory. This makes it a 2-0 Boston game. And that was really the story of this game. Actually, that was the difference of this game were infield hits. I want to say they had at least four out of their out of Boston's 10 hits did not leave the infield. Part of them were soft hits against the shift. Some of it was just wacky stuff like that, but I'm including, of course, I'm including the foul territory in the infield as he would have, you wouldn't have been on the grass if he walked back into fair territory from where he caught it. But we're going to go, as I get into this, we're talking a 4-2 final here in favor of the Red Sox and two of the Red Sox four runs ended up coming off of infield hits because Hunter Renfro in the next inning is able to hit a soft single against the shift, barely dribbles just too far out of the reach of DJ LeMayhew, which allows a run to score. And yeah, that that really just, those little cheap hits against Montgomery today just totally tore them up. Xander Bogarts is able to score on a sacrifice fly in the seventh to extend this out to 4-0. And then the games began. Nathan Ivaldi pitched a pretty good game all day. I think he was left out there too long by Cora, who let him go deep into the eighth inning before DJ LeMayhew hit his seventh home run of the year and made this 4-1. Then from there, we go to the bullpen. We got Hirokazu Sawamura and Adam Advino, neither of which had any semblance of 
control or confidence in this one. I can't blame Adovino as it was day three in a row of him pitching here. However, Sawamura is not able to record an out as he walks the bases loaded empty with a three-run lead. Of course, got pulled from that game as quick as humanly possible. They end up with no damage out of that thanks to Adovino, but it was certainly lucky. And then all of a sudden, two hits and a walk, and Adovino was in the exact same boat, ended up allowing one run to score during that time. And worst of all, that put Judge up to the plate to be the, either the final out or the walk-off hero, or not walk-off hero, but game-leading hero. So, you know, this was certainly a close game. Glad to see the Red Sox pull it out. But there was certainly plenty of drama for either side to be irritated about in this. Give the win, of course, to Nathan Eovaldi, his eighth of the year. He went seven and two-thirds, allowing one earned run, that being the DJ LeMayhew home run in that eighth inning. This drops him down to a 3.67 ERA on the year. The loss goes to Jordan Montgomery, who went six innings, allowing eight hits, but at least three or four infield hits, uh, three earned runs, and five strikeouts. The save goes to Adam Adovino in four outs, his fifth of the season. And that wraps up our little game recap, our league recap wrap around here for today. And so I'm going to go into the topic that we completely missed as we were going through the main awards. Of course, we will have the American League Gold Glove winners out to you tomorrow in the Sunday recording, Monday release episode. However, we completely skipped over a very important award here, and that was Manager of the Year. Completely blue on that. We can, of course, get Brandon's thoughts on that either in the next week or next time I'm out. However, I just figured now would be as good a time as ever to discuss my picks here. And I'm going to start with my more impassioned and easier pick here. And that is the manager of the year from the National League. And that is easily above and beyond going to go to Luis Rojas of the New York Mets. I know things didn't work out too well in year one or anything, but this has been a fantastic season out of this Mets team. Not only did they get a much needed upgrade all around the team this offseason, but they're still doing incredible things. I'm not trying to say that to pass off on what has has achieved here. I 100% think this is the man who deserves the manager of the year right now, and here's why. This team was absolutely doomed with the start that they had. You know, you've got Washington's COVID scare. You've got rainouts. Everything under the sun was thrown at this team to start the year, and they still started out very well and have managed to put themselves in a commanding lead in what we have largely said is one of the more talented, if not, yeah, I'm not going to go say the most talented. I think that right should be reserved for the AL West or the NL West or even the AL East 
here. I mean, I think those three are are better than this, but overall, in terms of competition, this should be a highly contested division, and they've got a commanding lead. But what's more impressive to me is the fact that they're keeping this lead throughout this year. They are only at 72 games. This is quite a ways back from any of the other teams that they're playing, except maybe the Nationals who had all of those games that they were screwed up on because of themselves done here. We've talked about plenty of times the fact that the doubleheaders are very often split games, and they will be playing a lot of doubleheaders. If he can continue to navigate through this crazy end of the year where they're going to have so many doubleheaders, so many wacky games, and just basically be playing every single game, every opportunity that they have to get a game in. They've got to kind of sneak a game in now because of the amount of delays they had in April and May. If he can pull this out and continue on, I don't see anyone else who is more deserving in either league of getting this award. I mean, this is impressive enough to have been able to handle everything that they've had to handle over there, but it's even more impressive to me that he, if he is able to keep on going and keep on chugging and keep this team either at this same lead or just flat out, if he can win the division with everything that they have to go through and all of the odds stacked against them like even if they're even if they're the best team we saw earlier with Houston and Detroit the best team in the American League lost split doubleheaders it happens so often so if you're going to be playing as many doubleheaders I can't remember off the top of my head I'm trying to find it as I go here um I might as well give up as many doubleheaders as the Mets are going to be playing this season and are still able to win the division, that says something about your ability to lead men through this type of situation. If, I I, I mean, this is the easiest way I can say it. If the Mets win the division with all of this doubleheader madness that they're going to have to go through, Luis Rojas deserves manager of the year from the National League. It's that simple. There's no other way around it. The only other person I could consider giving this to and a quick honorable mention and shout it out, Gabe Kapler. This San Francisco team should not be doing the things they're doing. Five-game winning streak come from behind today, nine and one in their last 10. He certainly has a case, not as strong as Rojas, I don't think, but 50 wins, league-leading and above more so the Dodgers and the Padres, the two presumptive favorites to come out of the National League going into the season. If you're able to beat both of those teams with a team that no one expected to do much of anything to begin the year, that is impressive. And you've done a good, really good job with this group. However, I think a lot more of that can be attributed to a lot of guys either coming out of their shell or turning back the clock like there's direct causes of this result I feel more so for San Francisco than there are for New York I mean DeGrom's amazing but he's only out there every fifth day meanwhile you have a whole slew of starters in San Francisco that are pitching out of their minds you have 
all of these old veterans, Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, who are all looking like they're 26 again. Just, I think that is a huge contributor to why things are going this way. And that ultimately sways me away from it. As for the American League, there's a number of ways I could feel I could go with this. Um, The one I do want to pick, I probably shouldn't. I think Alex Cora deserves a look here. I know I just praised the moves made with the bullpen. However, as a whole, this was not a good baseball team last year. This was the fourth worst team in the league by record in the 2020 season. And you've taken that team and you have turned them into a half game out of the division lead for 14 game above 500 team that is currently on a bid to sweep the Yankees for the season or at least sweep them through the first two series of the year, which is a devastating blow to New York fans' egos. So, I, yeah, I just, I think he deserves a look here. He has completely changed the culture, and it's a palpable thing when you watch this team play, that his stamp is all over this team. It was all over the 2018 team. It was all over the 2019 team to an extent. Of course, you have the, I think there's a lot of uh, championship hangover with that group. So it didn't shine as brightly, but you still had a lot of guys really break out of their shell. You started to really see Xander Bogarts that year. You started to see Rafi break out then. And overall, it still felt like an Alex Cora team. You'd think that one year of having him away would have made it so it wasn't that much of a culture change, but there was a palpable difference not having him in that locker, in that clubhouse. There, according to many guys, was a huge difference between having him there and not having him there before with John Farrell. Like the amount of communication, the amount of emphasis on details throughout the game is just so great with him. And he is a very, very big part of the reason they've had so much success this year. Other than that, let's talk about Tony La Russa. You know, I didn't think he was going to have as much success with this group as he had. And can you blame me? Because the majority of the time, except with like huge situations, guys aren't really in major, in major American sports. Coaches aren't the biggest thing in the world the stars are bigger. So you then take out the two biggest stars on this team. I still thought they'd be fine, but not great. And he's kept them a great team, an AL contending team here. So he certainly deserves a look. He's getting results. That's all you ask for out of a guy. As for other places, I think Dusty Baker might also need a look here because this Astros team is, again, another team that didn't, look fantastic last year it it looked all right but they're really coming out of their shell and have become not only the best offense in baseball but one of the better starting pitching groups in baseball as well they're going to steamroll a lot of teams through the mid part of the season which could build up momentum for him for that award but that will end things for me tonight i hope you guys enjoyed make sure to subscribe like 
follow us on Twitter, play our trivia game at MLB Daily Pod. I believe we start back tomorrow with another week's worth of trivia questions, guess the players, and you can be in line to win some great Belly Up Sports merchandise. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you go follow. And as always, I will see you manana. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.